Welcome to Geek Out number four. So this week I decided to go a little bit of a different route than the generational poverty that we talked about in last episode. However, I still feel like I wouldn't necessarily say they're the same, but possibly in the same category of maybe like discrimination or prejudice or bias, I think is a good word to explain it. So um, this week, our topic is going to be about the school to prison pipeline. So a lot of people, and I will admit that I had no idea this was a thing or um, a concept before coming to Heidelberg. Um, and getting that higher education. I didn't know anything about it in high school or we didn't talk about anything really controversial controversial in that matter at all. But um, for anyone that might need some background information of what that is, because when you say school to prison pipeline, that does sound harsh. Um, so my first question about this topic that I wanted to dive a little deeper in is what is it? So Lindsay B. from Probation Information Network states that the school to prison pipeline is a term used to describe the trend in which students begin school but eventually end up in juvenile and criminal justice systems. So this kind of reminded me of generational poverty in a way that it's like a cycle. So you go to school and then you're you go to prison or juvie, something like that, just as generational poverty is like um, your parents are in poverty, your grandparents were in poverty, then those children fall into that category and can't break away from the poverty. So a few questions I want to hit on for this podcast to kind of give a brief overview. There's a lot you can dive into and a lot of research done on the school to prison pipeline, but my Questions I wanted to talk about and give the viewers a little bit of information is who does the the school to prison pipeline affect? How does this happen? Like, why does it happen? How did it come to be this way? And how are we realizing this? And how do we fix it? Obviously, there's a lot of damage done and it's rooted in the biases and prejudices of specific people. And obviously, no matter what you do, no matter how much you can argue with people on their beliefs, sadly, it's not going to change or you're never going to be able to explain to them how wrong they are when they talk about those kind of things. But I just want to think of just some minor things that maybe I can do or the listeners can do as a way to make sure you're not involved in it. I know what other people do, and sadly, the possible other teachers, the other role models, um, the other bosses those children will have in their life can affect this. What you can do to make sure that you don't play a part in the school to prison pipeline. So the first question I'm going to hit on is, who does this affect? So like generational poverty, it um, according to the School of Education, The school-to-prison pipeline mostly affects students of color and or minority groups. Um, Why, obviously, is it is due to biased and harsh disciplinary measures. 
So if you have a bias towards um, Hispanic people, you may look at um, that teacher might not even consciously know that they are being a little bit more harsh and giving more disciplinary measures to those students. But there is a trend in seeing that those students are usually the ones given those disciplinary measures. So we're already setting up these vulnerable students for failure. So another thing um, I kind of wanted to hit on is how does it happen? Um, something that the American Psychology Association talks about is the zero tolerance policy and how that can lead to um, the zero or the school to prison pipeline. So a lot of people, again, don't necessarily know what the zero tolerance policy is. So uh, a scenario would be if a student is caught doing something that is under the zero tolerance policy. So say there's a zero tolerance policy for getting in a fight. Um, there are if there are no if ands or buts about it. They are immediately punished, whether that be expulsion or um, detention, suspension, without having a chance to explain themselves. So, you know, one student could be, I have seen this at my school, is a student could be bullied and continuously, it's through a long period of time, they've had enough and they snap. They end up, the two, the bully and the person getting bullied end up physically fighting and both are expelled, not expelled, but suspended with no explanation. So the person that was being targeted and bullied and obviously having a, a rough time doesn't even get to explain themselves or explain what made them do that, which I don't think is fair. So the American Psychology Association also explains that the research showed that zero tolerance policies fail to increase the consistency of discipline across student groups and failed to decrease uneven enforcement of punishment across racial lines. So in turn, it makes sense that everyone is just punished. Doesn't matter who you are, what you did, but it still has no effect on if you are white or you're Hispanic or you're African-American, all of these students are still being discriminated. So the next question I have is, how does this happen and why does this happen? So the Black Child Agenda explains that from 1987 to 2007, funding for incarceration more than doubled while funding for higher education was raised by just 21%. So I'm immediately in my head thinking they're more worried about prison than bettering the generations to come. If you see a troubled kid that could possibly be getting in trouble a lot, fighting a lot, why would you not push them towards a better future rather than letting them fall down that line of incarceration, getting in trouble, things like that. Why would you not want them to have a better life and get to the root of the problem? The black agenda, the black child agenda then goes on to talk about the impacts of resource officers as well. So um, 
they interviewed a few students and a lot of the students explained that it actually makes them feel more uncomfortable than it does safe. And that it literally feels like they're in a jail. Um, my school had one as well. And while I got along with him and he was very nice, it was kind of unsettling sitting at lunch and eating my lunch. And he's just standing there staring at the, the crowd of students. I, I guess I just don't understand the point. I know they, they say that it is for like, the possibility of school shooters or things like that. But um, when they're just sitting there staring at students, kind of making them feel less than, I don't think that has a positive effect for anyone. My last question is, what do we do to fix the problem? And obviously, as I stated at the beginning, you can't fix other people's opinions or ways of doing things, sadly. But, um, Something we can do as long as you're doing this and making sure you have a positive impact on these students' lives, um, it can go a long way. Even It just takes one person. So the Rehabilitation Enables Dreams website talks about three ways to end the school-to-prison pipeline. So the first way it talks about is increasing social workers and mental health professionals instead of the resource officers. So this would enable students to be able to talk about their feelings and not act out on them, not causing them to get in trouble and possibly getting to that root of the problem. Um, the second way is to reduce the class size. This way the students will feel like they have a better connection with their teacher. They will be able to feel seen. Maybe they'll open up to their teachers more. And it also will give the teacher more control of situations in the classroom. If you have a, a classroom with 30 plus students, you're not going to be able to know if there is like a discrepancy happening or something like that. So being able to one-on-one -on -one individually see the students for who they are and see if they are having problems can definitely go a long way as well. And the third um, way we can possibly end or you can fix the school to prison pipeline is practicing restorative justice. So what does that exactly mean? It means to get to the root of the problem, as I explained earlier. Don't just automatically punish a student for fighting ask them what happened maybe they are they have been getting bullied for years and they finally snapped i i honestly don't think that is a way or is a problem that they should be getting in trouble for i don't think that's necessarily fair to give equal punishment to a student who's getting bullied and the bullier and another i got cut off there but um we were talking about practicing restorative justice. And another way you can do that is to help. Um, if you see something happening, if you see, I keep going back to this bullying example, get involved. Don't just wait till they do get in a physical fight and there is a zero tolerance policy. Get to that root of the problem. Um, all of this will help with so like if you have a smaller class size, obviously practicing restorative justice would be easier and things like that. Um, this is a huge topic and something that um, there is a lot of research out there. I would like to get in more depth about it, but I'm just going to wait and see if any of the viewers have questions about it to see if I can possibly take one of their questions and go down a deeper path. So 
Let me know if you have any questions and I will see you in geek out number five.